We go into our wrap of the top business stories and the latest in the world of money and power. And I'm joined this evening to take a look at these stories by Akon Amlamleli, who's a portfolio manager at 274 Investment Managers. Akon, good evening to you and welcome to Metro FM Talk. Good evening, Ayabonga. Good evening to your listeners this evening. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, thank you very much for joining us and welcome uh, to thank the, uh, yeah, I guess uh, I always say, you know, to the mighty Metro and of course uh, to uh, one of the uh, best talk shows that we have, uh, if I can say so myself. Uh, but uh, Akona, let's maybe start off there with Saffron. Now, I, I mean, I found the story fascinating. South Africa had its first sort of planting season, if I can put it this way, for Saffron. Uh, and it has seemingly been a success, but uh, maybe let's start off here. What is saffron? So um, saffron is obviously a plant that has been started off by particularly uh, Safricon, um, the agency that particularly runs the production of the plant within the African landscape. Mm. And it is primarily based in the Karoo. So it's an area we've known in the Karoo way. It's been more traditionally the sheep production orientated um, yes. But as we know, that, that particular area has seen some uh, drought, particularly in the last five years. And with the, resu- and with the result of the drought, um, towns and local communities are particularly dependent on farming. And when such drought does happen, such these farmers and the particular community um, ends up suffering. So it was an initiative that has been done by um, Safricon, particularly mm. to grow this plant. And it's the first, particularly first ever season of Saffron being um, caught within the African landscape. And it is an initiative that is mainly caused to uplift the local um, communities and also provide self-sufficient to give farmers an opportunity to survive currently, particularly during this time of the ongoing drought. So mm. it's a plant that is primarily used um, in particularly food and also can be used in the production and manufacturing of clothing and dyeing. So it is a plant that has, is quite new in South Africa and has not been tapped into, mainly because it has been done so on a smaller scale. Um, but ha- however, Safricon and the organization which oversees saf- the planting of saffron production in, in South Africa um, is trying to make this particular um, production quite big so they can export it to um, other neighboring countries and mm. export it globally. I mean, you spoke about the drought earlier on, uh, and I guess what might be attractive about this particular crop for many for many farmers, uh, is that it's a winter crop um, and, you know, it was planted around March, April or so, uh, effectively allowing uh, many, you know, of these farmers who might not have had a opportunity to generate some cash flows during those months uh, to get into a crop uh, where you can, I guess, fetch as much as 250 rand a gram or to place that in context, 250,000 rand a kilogram. That's correct, um, um, Ayabonga, and thanks very much for that. So, um, as you indicated, um, they can get uh, about 250,000 um, rand um, a kilogram, um, which is quite, uh, the reason it's obviously quite expensive is because of the labor-intensive nature of harvesting this particular product and the picking of the flowers and removing the threads by hand. So, it is quite labor-intensive and requires um, a lot of people to obviously operate. That's why the cost is quite exorbitant. Um, but, however, I think... We all know that the dire situation, not only within the agricultural sector, but also within the African landscape, where employment is um, needed, and particularly in the farmers and local communities who are dependent on farming um, in their environment, is, is, a, is an opportune opportunity for these local communities um, to become part of this production and also this, this project that has been initiated 
by the Safi Khan. What is this used for? I mean, I understand it's used for, you know, uh, um, spices, it's used for dye. What other application does it have? Yeah, so as you've indicated, it's, it's used for dyes, it's used for spices. Um, it's also um, used also for cosmetics. So um, a lot of cosmetics make use of it in terms of their fragrances and also in terms of the, the coloring of some of the fragrances in some of the cosmetic co- companies. So it, it, it is quite um, versatile and diverse in its operation, um, as you've indicated in the food production, also in the, in the, in the dyeing of clothing, but also mm. in the co- cosmetic sector. That's where it can also be quite useful um, in that industry particularly. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is an interesting one. I, I always find things like this very fascinating uh, because in a way what it suggests is, you know, if, if there was one dominant producer in the world of this, and I understand Greece to be one of those, uh, you know, and uh, one of, I think, one nation in the Middle East, I stand to be correct, I think Iran or somewhere there. Um, but yet even those current producers don't meet the global demand. And I guess that's why there's uh, such high prices that saffron fetches in the global markets as well. How, how big an opportunity from where you're sitting is this for, you know, South African farmers with how, you know, the market has set itself up? We've heard of starter kits, you know, for farmers being set up by some of the players here. Um, and, you know, for all intents and purposes, I guess a relatively successful debut season. Yeah, so it's, as we've indicated, it's still early stages. Um, and we just need to monitor um, how the project and the initiative that is currently going underway um, will advance. Um, but as I indicated earlier on, it's an opportune time for um, the farmers, particularly in this region of the Kenya, that, that have experienced drought, um, to use this opportunity and diversify um, their production space and their production facilities in mm. order just to um, diversify away from the core of particularly Kenya, mostly the um, sheep and obviously the sheep um, production in terms of cotton. So um, I think it's important to always to find other streams of revenue. And, and we all know in the financial markets, you need to diversify yourself. You can't be exposed to one particular asset class and also within business. Um, yes. yes, core focus is important. Um, however, we are um, cognizant, particularly in the COVID times, where you, if you were exposed to one particular industry and you didn't have any other revenue streams, um, you are hit quite badly. Mm, mm. Let's shift our attention, I guess, to, to another Nigeria closely what happens with saffron um, uh, and encourage many of our listeners to go check uh, uh, that out and what it is that we're talking about it looks like a very interesting plant uh, just by its own appearance uh, but let's shift our attention now to home choice uh, and it seems I mean they've effectively benefited from digitization I mean one in two of all of their transactions going through digital channels. I mean, are these the same people who, I guess, used to get duvets and all manner of appliances to our mothers via network marketing, uh, now seemingly, I guess, speaking to mobile-first consumers? Exactly. That is the same group that our mothers used to get um, parcels from the post office to buy duvets and curtains. So it's the same group. So Home Choice um, International um, is a, a retail and has obviously, as we indicated, is, it has become a technology company, but it's mostly in retail and particularly financial services and targeting mostly the middle income market within South Africa and other parts of the Southern African continent with operations also in Mauritius. So it's a South African company, um, uh, maybe just to provide some context for the listeners, mm. um, which was started off in the late 1980s. Um, as you alluded to, its, it's initial operations was mostly in mail order retail of home products 
and as you indicated, our mothers, our parents, and our elders. Mm, as a and they used to order and all that. And the intermediary was primarily the post office. And it's interesting how they've um, digitized, as you indicated, but their most um, partnership was with with regards to the post office because if the post office was the main um, intermediate, obviously getting those posts to yourself and your, uh, ourselves uh, with regards to buying those products. And last year, um, they actually released um, a, a communication which they cut ties with the post office um, in order to reduce reliance um, on the post office. Um, this was due to a lot of products and also um, services not being delivered, which ended up hampering their annual profits. So that was the news that came out in the earlier part of um, last year. But what has been um, quite interesting and also quite pleasing, as you indicated earlier on, is that this company has digitized and has invested quite heavily within the technology space. And it has shown that by being technology-advanced company, um, it is able to um, assist um, earnings, assist profits, which it obviously did in the um, release of the performance um, this morning. Yeah, yeah. And uh, many of our people, I guess, on social media are certainly uh, making quite a meal of uh, uh, these numbers. I think many people suggesting that, you know, they'd, they'd followed suit, uh, you know, their mothers had multiplied in them. Uh, but, uh, yeah, they continue, I guess, to, to follow some of the good quality product that's coming out of uh, uh, home choice. Uh, but uh, wh- what do you make, I guess, of that uh, top line revenue number there, double digit revenue growth? Uh, in a very difficult, you know, consumer market, if we think about how many people have been retrenched, how many people, uh, you know, uh, have had difficulty retaining their jobs uh, with all of the shocks that we've seen uh, to the South African economy. Yeah, so um, you remember last year when they did their interim earnings, um, one of the um, decisions that the management had taken at the time was to hold the interim dividend, um, citing mm. a need to caution as COVID-19 had weight on the ethic consumer, particularly the ability of their consumers um, to repay some loans. So it was pleasing today that um, the home choice did declare a dividend of about 47 cents um, per share um, after skipping the interim um, payout last year. Um, also, it was also pleasing to know that their revenue um, grew quite um, um, decently, um, about 7.4% to $1.7 billion, um, from its previous $1.5 billion. So this was mostly driven by strong loan disappointment growth and retail sales growth. And what was also important that management also highlighted was the continued digital growth, in particularly in the fintech space and mm. within the retail divisions, and them taking advantage of these structural shifts to digital uh, mobile services and transacting and obviously allowing their consumers and their customers to be more tech-savvy has um, assisted in these um, um, good numbers and results yeah. that we've seen today. Awesome stuff. Akwana, I want you to hold the line there for me for a second while we take a quick spot break. But when we come back, we go to Afghanistan and uh, we also check out what's happening. Yeah, in the com- competition landscape out in China.
23 minutes it is after 7 p.m. You tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the mighty Metro. And uh, I'm in conversation with Akon Amlamleli, Portfolio Manager at 274 Investment Managers. And uh, if you just joined us, uh, we took a look at uh, South Africa's first saffron harvest, a seeming success. And also some of the numbers that ca- came through, some strong set of numbers uh, coming through from Home Choice International. And uh, really, I guess, yeah, paying uh, some reward to the investments that they've made in cloud, uh, digital advances, and of course, uh, the fintech plays as well. And uh, we now shift our attention, I guess, uh, to uh, Asia. Uh, And we start off in the Middle East. uh, And I want us to maybe just quickly take a look, uh, Akona, at uh, what's been happening out uh, in Afghanistan. We saw the markets, I guess, responding to the takeover by the Taliban. Uh, We heard of a story of a central banker fleeing the country, Um, you know, uh, uh, jitters in the capital markets. Uh, but also some assurances as well uh, that uh, the Taliban is looking for some transitional um, and I must add inclusive governance arrangement on the back of this coup. Yes, you're correct, Aya Bonga. Um, so we've seen the images and seen the news that has come through the past few days. Um, past few days. And the most recent one is the Afghan central banker um, governor who departed due to the Taliban fighters taking control um, of mm. the capital. And we saw the Afghani um, currency particularly um, falling for fourth days, um, declining. Um, and also we saw the central bank um, also indicated that they would be not be shipping any more dollars um, to the country or supplying any further currencies um, due to the panic um, that is currently underway in the country. Um, but I also just want to allude that, as you indicated, um, some analysts who do cover the region are saying this is actually quite an opportune time and this is particularly for, um, I think, Marxa and the, the globe is particularly watching um, the future of the Afghan and how does this country and the economic direction, particularly in the monetary policy and fiscal policy, will fare. Um, but mm. also how other nations may also benefit um, in terms of um, we have um, its neighboring country, particularly Afghanistan, um, um, sorry, um, Pakistan, who, um, who is quite essential. Um, and also the current uh, transitioning that is currently underway, but also other nations who may benefit, um, who may express um, interest within the country, particularly China, who may want to assist in the rebuilding um, of that country um, again. Um, first, obviously, since the 20 years that um, the U.S. has been at the helm or assisting um, the country. Yes, yes. Now, you know, the, I guess the other uh, dynamic here is, um, you know, what this means for... Uh, what many people, I guess, were, were trumping up as, um, and I hate to use that word, but I guess trumping up as uh, uh, an example of a foreign intervention by the United States. Um, it's quite clear that whatever solution had been built there wasn't durable enough to deal with uh, not just this particular takeover, but I guess the social conditions that might have given rise to it. Yeah, so um, as you know, um, it's Biden, um, as obviously having won um, late last year and him being at the helm, and also the decision um, from himself and his predecessors to withdraw from Afghanistan has, in the last few days, come under extreme criticism um, for his presidency and his administration. Um, yes, he spoke yesterday evening, but it was more of a blame game, um, mm. also um, indicating um, Afghan leaders had given up and fled too soon. And also, um, I, I don't think his team had um, planned for the contingency of the of them going out um, of the country. So um, it does not fare well, particularly for 
the um, American government, the administration that is currently at the helm at the moment, particularly with the globe seeing those visuals as, as you've seen Ayabonga, I'm sure you have, where um, thousands and thousands of people at the airport um, who are clinging onto the flight trying to get um, hold and get away. And also we've seen images of some of those um, individuals who have climbed um, falling. So those images don't say well um, to the image that is currently um, of, of the Biden administration. And they will obviously have to do something just to recruit confidence um, with regards to foreign relations or with, with, with regards to that. And also they would have to reassess their 20-year tenure um, mm. and how that the end has been currently what, it, what we currently see it at the moment. So um, it, it is quite a difficult time for the, the Biden administration and it would be interesting to see um, how it fares going forward. But currently from yesterday's speech, there's more of a blame game. So we just obviously want more certainty on what are the next steps um, that that current administration will be doing. Yeah, yeah, that's certainly one story we're going to be following quite closely because, um, you know, I was saying earlier to my producer, it's far from over. Uh, there's a lot that still is going to happen uh, that we're going to have to watch quite closely uh, with what's happening out of Kabul. Uh, but the last one here, Akona, before we let you go, uh, the story in China, uh, I guess, of, of a crackdown, not just on the tech uh, players, but um, I mean, I guess if we are to look at some of the tech players and the impact that that has had on asset prices, um, you know, the crackdown for anything from privacy to antitrust or competition related issues. Um, and now China releasing their draft competition regulations. Uh, what do you make of this? And I guess how the markets have responded. Uh, slums for Alibaba, slums for Baidu, Tencent and many of the others uh, who are massive tech players uh, in that uh, particular market. Now, so it's been a difficult um, a few months, um, particularly for the likes of your Tencent, your Alibaba's and also companies that in South Africa that do have exposure um, to, mm. to those um, Asia, such as your Tencent and your Process. Um, for example, Nasdaq um, has been down for a second day this week. So we all know how um, the Chinese government is quite um, efficient in terms of Chinese regulation reforms. And we saw particularly at the, end, the tail end of July last month, um, where the Chinese government um, introduced regulations to the private education industry. So we know and we've seen in the past that the Chinese regulation reform is nothing new. So in the mm. past, the um, mostly polluting industries and gaming that we saw in 2018, and what's currently going on present is the regulation, particularly the internet, the fintech, and also last month where we saw the, the private tech. So the, the government is all, all about social stability, and that is key in order to decrease inequality um, because what we saw last um, month and were private um, institutions um, who were benefiting from um, the families who had taken extra debt just to get their children um, to get that, mm. uh, that, that, that extra um, um, education so they can obviously um, get better their marks. So I think the Chinese regulation is going to be an ongoing um, part of the market regulation. I just think the market just needs to understand um, where the, the, the regulations are coming from because we all know that the Chinese Communist Party will probably remain um, in control um, for the mm. foreseeable future. Um, they do have their conference in November 2022 where Xi Jinping is likely to be active. So we're doing that. But I think it, it will just be uh, a market familiarizing themselves 
with the Chinese market and regulation um, because at the end of the day, it's all about providing um, Chinese and its people um, with um, opportunities and decreasing that inequality that is currently in place. Yeah, yeah, it's certainly going to be uh, uh, interesting uh, developments that are unfolding there, of course, as um, you know, some of these issues come across the radar of the Chinese Communist Party government and uh, how, of course, they respond to these and uh, not unique by any stretch of the imagination. I think similar scrutiny is being extended on big tech in the U.S. as well. And uh, we'll certainly be following that one closely. Akwanam Lamleli, thank you very much for your time this evening. And uh, yeah, until we chat again. Thank you. Bye. That there was Akwanam Lamlele, Portfolio Manager, 274 Investment Managers, joining us for our business wrap.